Welcome to the 230th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on April 28th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 50% of this here show with me is the man who's got rumblies in his tummy, Carlos Rodella. You had to bring it up. Damn you. <laughs> I, it's hard to find these little intros, man. I got to I gotta take what I got. That's true. Yeah. I mean, anybody out there who is um, dealing with issues with your body that makes you feel bad, I, I'm, I'm with you. I get it. It's, uh, bodies are really, they can be pretty terrible. It goes to show how fragile life is, right? Like when you're a kid, you bounce back from anything, you break a bone, heals the next day, you're fine, you're back on the playground, whatever. But as you get older, and speaking as someone who is, you know, quote unquote older, I don't feel like an old man, but sometimes I do. I'm, at, I'm 45 right now. Man, my body, definitely different from when I was 20, definitely different from when I was 30. And I don't feel like any of the changes are better. Like, I feel like they're just <laughs> no. all worse, man. No, it only just kids who are listening, anybody who's younger than us. Um, it just gets worse. All right. Yeah, man. God, I miss those days. You know, you get up full of energy. Nothing hurts. You just roll out of bed. You're fine. Go around, have sex three, four times in a day. No Whoa. problem. All right. Eat a bunch TMI. of stuff. Doesn't matter what you eat. Like eat a bag of Oreos and you lose two pounds by the end of the day. <laughs> Run a couple true. laps at nighttime. It's all, it's wonderful. Like people who are young listening to the show, take it from me. Enjoy your youth while you have it, man. It does not stick around. Just, yeah, you heard it here from So Video Games Podcast. Eat a bag of Oreos, you know? Like, just, if you're young, just eat, eat do as it. many Do it now, because you, can. you can't do it later, man. It's going to make you sick. You got, I mean, you got to go to the ER and shit. It's no good. Okay, let's let's calm it down. Later, until your, uh, you know, evening years, as they say, you can still <laughs> do things like eat a bag of Oreos. Oh, man, All I right? bet you. I bet you if I ate a bag of Oreos right now, I would be at death's door in about 90 minutes. All dude. right. Oh, God. Anywho, I'm just, uh, you know, it's just the, uh, what's funny is actually I, I listen to the H3 podcast and, um, you know, I have like the GERD and I have like gastro stuff, you know, intestinal crap that happens. Ooh, pun intended. Whoa. Yeah. And, and a lot of people have it, you know, uh, but um, Ethan on the H3 podcast mentioned he had GERD, which is like this acid reflux thing. And I have it too. And it, instead of like just being sad about it, he made a whole t-shirt and, a, and a, like a hashtag over it and said he's the GERD gang. Wow. Wow. Way to, way to lean into that. I appreciate yeah, be, that. Yeah. Be part of the GERD gang. And I was like, I got to buy that t-shirt now. <laughs> So yeah, if you're oh. if you're part of the uh, the gastrointestinal awesomeness, uh, and by awesomeness I mean not, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Onawa, and we'll there talk. You go do the hashtag. We'll get some social links going. It'll be a whole. It'll be a social movement. There we go. Heard it here first, folks. All right, let's get off of gastrointestinal stuff. Let's get into what we usually do at the beginning of each show, which is housekeeping. Uh, we are living in a house divided down the middle by really really thick sticky duct tape on my side absolutely nothing i am my house is clean but on your wow. house carlos your side of the house i see a few things over there man what you got over there yeah i got some stuff and i'm just like amazed at every week how clean you keep it it's weird i got nothing going on dude i am just like a blank slate bro all right well i am messy as always um first off uh resident evil demo ah I fuck just, that demo fuck that demo i know i thought we'd both say fuck that demo i guess but it being a timed demo and not just timed in how long you can play it, but when it's actually available has screwed you like both times, right? I missed it both times. I was, I was 
like 24 hours too late at both times. And then I went to do it, and I was actually late this time. So last episode, I actually recorded a, a review or a preview of, of going through the whole first demo. And the second demo, I thought I had time because I thought it was at least one day. But it was actually only one day. It wasn't like the next day, you know what I mean? Like yeah. after. You sent me a text saying you're going to play it. I'm like, bro, it's over. You missed it too. Like we both missed it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> now there is one at the time of this recording or when uh, this goes up, it'll probably be a few days after. There'll be another one, which again is timed, where you can play both the uh, village and the castle demo. But I watched, um, again, to name drop, but Alana Pierce play the uh, castle one. And again, it wasn't scary, right? Like I'd mentioned last episode, the yeah, village yeah. demo wasn't scary. And not only was it not scary, it just didn't look fun. And it looked annoying. Like there's that, which is in the trailer, I think, like a, a, a lady made of bats or something, right? And I think she's in the trailer. But there's like, a, you know, someone comes after you that's like unkillable, right? And so it's just really, really frustrating to watch her play it and just be like screwed the whole time. And she's like, I have a time demo here. I just want to get to the end of it. <laughs> and it just looked really frustrating. So I don't even know if I'll play the damn thing. I don't know. I mean, you know, whatever. If they send a bunch of copies, maybe I'll try it. Probably won't happen. If I, you know, I'll maybe put on my Gamefly queue. I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not super in the Resident Evil circle anymore. And I got to say that the time demos really fucking irritated me, man. Like, it really kind of bent me a little bit where I've, like, twice now gone to my PS5, sat down to, like, actually do this thing, told my wife to come over and keep me company so I wouldn't be too scared. And, like, they're, you just can't play them. And I'm like, you know what? Like, games are here for me. I am not here for games, right? Like, games are fun. They're convenient. They're something you do when you've got time. And I realize it's a PR stunt. They want you to make make you feel like it's important, like it's a big event. You got to go do it. I get it, right? Like I get it, but at the same time, fucking irritating. And it just kind of put me off the whole thing. So if I if I play it, maybe I'll play it, maybe I won't. I didn't. I never got around to Resident Evil Seven because I thought it was too scary. Maybe I will just never touch this one either. And you know, I'm not a Resident Evil guy to begin with, so maybe I'll just let it slide. Who knows? It's just weird that they would take something that was like, I mean, just make it the weekend. You know, make it like two days. I mean, days. you would think so. You would think so, right? Yeah. It just seemed weird. By the way, I hate um, that demo and the way they timed it just as much as I hate loud cars. <laughs> because, I, I mean, at some point I'm going to move because, come on. But seriously, if you have a car and it makes a loud noise and you're like, I don't know, proud of it or something, just stop. All right? Just stop. Just knock it off with your loud cars. Oh, my goodness. Okay. A couple more things here. Uh, first off, this is a pretty good one. Well, it's not first off. It's second off. Second off. Days Gone 2 Petition. Nears 80,000 uh, signatures at, for a new game. So basically people put up a petition mm -hmm. to allow them to get another Days Gone made, even though we talked about it last episode with some of the comments that one of the developers made was kind of weird. I signed it as well. Thank cool. you very much. And I think it's closing in on 90,000 signatures. I don't know if that means anything. Probably not. It sounds like the team has kind of moved on. I think the development team has kind of changed roles and broken up. I mean, and I mean, honestly, I don't know how much pull that's going to have. I, you know, if every single person who signed that petition bought two copies at quote unquote fucking full price, that still wouldn't be enough to get it greenlit, right? Like it would have to be like in the millions and millions in order to justify. I don't know, man. I think maybe that train has just has gone. I mean, we kind of talked about it in depth last week, and it's interesting because after we talked about it, um, multiple articles came out. A lot of them were in Video Game Biz, I think it was, 
uh, a lot of uh, prominent writers came uh, and addressed that article that we talked about, how the guy was like blaming people for not buying it on the release week and saying you got to pay full price for a game you love, even if you... I mean, how can you possibly know you love a game if you haven't played it, etc., etc.? Um, lots of people said basically the exact same things that we said, so I felt super double validated after what we said because oh. you know, like, there's a lot of people out there going, "You're you're you're thinking in the old ways, bro." Like, there's engagement, there's long tails, there's uh, you know, eShops on all the consoles. It's a different world out there, and if all you're looking at is the first week of retail sales, you're looking in the wrong direction. Like, that's not how you build a blockbuster hit. I mean, if you get the sales, great. But that's not the only way, and if you don't sell in the first seven days, you're going to kill the entire rest of the future of the game or this possible IP? Hmm, a little right. premature, maybe. Yeah, and also, it's just like, I think we might have mentioned this last time, but like the music industry, right? It has to innovate, it has to adapt. And you can't just be like, oh, this is just how, if it's on the Billboard Top 100 or something. Oh, God, like, yes, exactly. You know, just like yes. it just feels that kind of archaic at times. So either way, uh, I have seen signatures on petitions do something and move the needle Maybe it shows that, you know, um, obviously more than 90,000 people are interested. Uh, so it's just like, you know, because who, when's the last time you signed a petition? God, I don't know. Probably something during the political season. I don't know. I mean, I hope it works, man, because I, you know, we, I love uh, Days Gone just as much as you love it. I think it's a wonderful game. I would love to get a sequel. I'm, I am way more interested in a Days Gone 2 sequel than I am for a Last of Us Part 3 sequel, which they're already Ooh, talking about. And it's yeah. like, dude, I, I mean, we're not going to get into that now, but I, but if I had to choose, I would absolutely choose Days Gone. Uh, but apparently, so far, it's still not a thing. If the uh, if the petition's still alive after this uh, episode, I'll send it to you. You can send cool. it. Uh, State of Play is happening. Um, it already happened, probably, when you hear this episode. So Was it today? No, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, oh, Thursday. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. We're in uh, the time loop. That's right. That's State right. of Play. So I'm excited to see what that's going to be. Uh, also, tomorrow comes out Returnal, which I will be playing, and I'm very excited about. Are you going to pay $70 full price for that? I've already bought it. <laughs> oh, man. Can we just I, pause for a second? we got to pause for a second. Here. Okay, okay. I was shocked when I saw that was $70, because um, what is the what is the name of the developer of that thing? I can't remember right off the top of my head. Oh, my uh, goodness. I should know that. It's a... Uh, oh, geez, Louise. Oh, my God. I know. I was just oh talking about it earlier. Um, hold on. I'll do it. Okay. And you look it up while I talk. Okay. So, anyway, that developer who I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. Housemark. Housemark. Housemark, yes. They... I mean, traditionally, they haven't sold a bunch. Like, all their games have kind of struggled to find an audience. They do, like, Bullet Hell. They do arcade games. They do really small kind of indie stuff. And I knew that they were up in their game for this one. But, like, to go from something that's, like, 15 or $20, like a download indie game, to, like, a $70 AAA, I was shocked and i have to say i was you know i'm kind of into it like it looks pretty cool like i kind of think i would like to play it but i watched one of the trailers and i saw them pulling their bullet hell shit again and i was like oh that kind of like really cooled me off a little bit so i was like well mm, i'm here know, to man. um defend why you might want it or why, why listeners okay. might want it first off it's probably the tr the first true ps5 game develops like, develop for PS5. develop for ps5 for a while like they've had dead kids for a while um, to your other point about the bullet hell, it's going to mix the two together. I've watched right, enough on right. it yeah. that, that, you know, I just played, I've been playing near, which we'll talk about in this episode. Um, and you know, you can do it too much and like bullet hell can be, you know, way too much in a third person game or it can be just right. And I feel like they might've mixed it together pretty well. Secondly, there's a pretty good. And one of the main reasons I'm going to play it is there's a pretty cool story. 
So it's not just like go in beat level, beat level, beat level. It's like go in, see cinematic cutscene, right? And like explore an amazing, crazy, beautiful environment because these graphics look fucking nuts. They look. I mean, it looks great, but I have to yeah. wonder. I have to wonder because bullet hells are a pretty niche thing. Not many people can get down with the bullet hell, right? Also, it's a roguelike, and I've heard it's pretty harsh on the roguelike spectrum where you don't really get a lot of stuff. I mean, I haven't played the game. I'm only just going off of secondhand information. I could be wrong. But most people I've talked to have said, oh, yeah, you just get back to the start and you get fuck all from the start. So I'm like, it's interesting because Bullet Hell and Harsh Roguelikes are both very small niches and they don't have a huge audience when you compare them to like other, you know, first person shooters or something like that. So I'm really curious with a high asking price of $70 and combining two niche genres. It looks amazing. True. But. I just have to wonder if that's a winning formula. I'm very curious. Well, we will see because I'm playing it, and it's already, like I said, pre-ordered and waiting for it to open up tomorrow. Man, uh, if it, if it was forty bucks, I I actually went to the PS Store and I'm like, with forty bucks, I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna pre-order. This looks like a forty dollar game to me, and it was seventy, and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, whoa, whoa. so let me, price, let me talk about the price for let me talk about the price for a minute. I think I'm gonna like it, and I think that it's gonna be less roguelike than you think because Who it knows? does have a campaign, and we will see. But I'm we'll pretty sure it's gonna be. Um, secondly, uh, I've also real quick, I've also been so into that kind of flow of shooter games recently Okay, okay. where like Outriders has made me feel like I'm good at playing video games. Um, because I'm just like, I've been destroying that. Uh, you've been and, really enjoying that. I know. Yeah. And going all the way up to the world, the highest world tiers there are. So I'm just kind of in that mode right now, which we always talk about in the show. Like where are you, you know, mentally? So I'm in the mood to like go and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, uh, test my metal is that what they say test your metal yeah you got it okay the other thing about the price though real quick is i've been watching a lot of um these uh you know kind of throwback videos on youtube about old school gaming and and technology and they were talking about uh they were showing toys r us and old you know super nintendo games sure and we've might have mentioned it before but back then there were 70 dollar games oh yeah there was 100 dollar games too back then right and they were obviously if you put them comparison how much time was spent on, you know, bullshit Tetris, like ripoff, you know, maybe that's not the $60, $70 game, but I don't know if the development times are longer now. I'm not sure how that shakes out, but just in general, like, I don't think that's a crazy amount. Your point about them being a smaller developer and then going to a bigger price point, I think that has more merit, but at the same time, they've been focused on a PS5 game this sure. whole time. So it's like sure. not like they're like going, hey, we're just going to port off one of our more indie shooters over. It's like, no, we just spent made a whole world. Oh, yeah. Ground up. I mean, this is orders of magnitude bigger than anything they've done before. I mean, for sure. I mean, I was I was just really surprised. Right. Like, I just didn't think that was their next step. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, speaking of the price, though, too, I mean, I you know, I know there's all sorts of economics tied into it and the cost of development and yada, yada. Like, there's all sorts of stuff. Right. But like, I can only speak from my own perspective, which is uh, a consumer who has a limited budget, who likes to play games and wants to get a good value for money. I mean, I think a lot of people probably share that. And I'm just curious because I, you know, I don't know, man, like for me, $70, like that's not something I would ever refuse to pay. Like if it was, if like Witcher 4 showed up tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah, 70 bucks, no problem. Wouldn't even blink at that, right? But for like a roguelike that I'm not sure that I like, or like for a bullet hell, like definitely not. Or if it's like an indie game or like, for example, uh, Housemark specifically, I haven't been the biggest fan of their games in the past. I'm just going to be honest. I don't yeah. really like their games that much. And even though I'm curious, very curious about Returnal, $70 to me is like, I know for a fact I'm going to love this game and I'm going to put the $70 down and I'm confident 
But for a game that's like a question mark to me, that's like really high for like but, price of entry. And you're, you're making me keep going on tangents when we're not even on housekeeping. We got to get hey, this okay. house. But do it. Do it. Like, I can't remember almost similar to our other like debate last time. I can't remember a very few times where I've like said, oh, I'm going to love this game. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's always a crapshoot. Are you kidding me? Like that's every why I movie, never buy games at seventy price for, or <laughs> exactly. for full price, dude. Exactly. No that, that's why you have a GameFi uh, exactly. subscription. Exactly. So, but then then we're just two different people in, in the way that we do that. But I mean, I I still want to have a good value, but I'd definitely be the person who will try it out first. But I don't know if I can say that I like. Oh, this is the game that I know hundred percent I'm going to love because that's it's been the opposite lots of times where I. I come in so confidently that I'm going to love this new Final Fantasy game and not like it, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. Just to me, that's a lot to gamble. That's too much to gamble. It is a and lot to gamble. for $40, I would have gambled that, but th- for an extra 30 on top of that to making it 70 that's too much of a gamble. Look so what I'm, I do I'm for the show. Look what I do for wait. the show. That's all I'm saying. Listeners, dear listeners, throw me some love. Say, hey, look, we appreciate that you uh, do the gamble on every game. Thanks for taking that bullet for us, Carlos. Oh, pun intended perfectly. Okay, a couple more things. Um, oh, I've never mentioned this show, but I'm very excited about G4's comeback. I've been watching their coverage on YouTube. Ah, yeah. And Adam, who I've known through the press, and I think you might know him a little bit too. I used to work for him. Oh, right. Of course. I wrote for G4 way back in the day. This is a cool that I'm bringing it up then. So uh, I've been following Adam for a while, and I met him at SF, and you work for him. And so I'm just a big fan of them and, and that channel. And so they basically paired up with a bunch of YouTubers. And other people, too, just industry veterans. And they're bringing it back, but they can't obviously open the offices yet. So they've just been doing, like, weekly shows on YouTube. So I highly recommend anybody who likes video games uh, go check out G4 on YouTube. And it's, I think it's called B4G4, which is clever. And it's really cool. Like, sometimes they're just game news. Sometimes they'll play games. And, uh, and Adam's on there being all, you know, Adam. Which is awesome. what is what is the B for? Is it before something like before what? Yeah, before they like go, go and open their offices and actually like. Oh, like okay, gotcha. the okay, whole thing. okay, makes sense. Gotcha. I'm with you. So very excited about that. You should check that out. Uh, and last thing is Turbo Graphics Mini. I finally got one. Oh hooray! Yeah, they were like impossible to get for a while, and I think there were like two left when I ordered it. And it's exciting. It's really cool. By the way, it's really mini. Oh, I have it. I have it. Oh, you have it. Okay. I, I had it. no idea it was that small. It was like the box came in. The box is like the size of a book. It, <laughs> and I was like, did I order an extra book? What, what did I order? <laughs> Am I doing some reading tonight? What's going on? I know. Mm. So I bring it up because it's it's great. And I don't think we've talked about it on the show before, but it's fantastic. And if you, Oh, it's very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. If you like TurboGrafx, you hear me talk about it. It comes preloaded with so many games that it's perfect. Um Although I think it does have two controller slots, so you could buy an extra controller to play two-player stuff. That was the weird thing. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show, but when I got it, I, it only comes with one controller, if memory serves. I'm pretty sure it only comes with one. Yeah. And I set it up, and I had it all ready to go, and it just wasn't working, it wasn't working, and it wasn't working. And it was because the controller was plugged into the wrong slot, and I don't remember exactly. I feel like I want to put it in, I feel like I put it in slot one, because why else would you do anything else? But I think it was slot two that worked. I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was a buggy console or maybe it was a Weird. problem. But yeah, I remember getting like 
starting to panic because it was like fresh out of the box and it wasn't working and I couldn't get it going. But it was about the plug. So if you get your, you have it now or not yet? Yeah, I have it. Yeah, yeah. Does it work in both slots, the controller? I have it. I've only put it in the first one and it worked fine. Okay. Maybe I just had a janky, janky console. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I'm wondering if the, they're going to sell like a digital TurboTap so you could play a bunch of people like they used to on the original. That would be pretty. That would be pretty. Cool. Be pretty good. The TurboTap for people who don't know. You want to explain what that was? Oh yeah, I actually just mentioned it in a video on my channel uh, about Bomberman, but that's how I originally played Bomberman. Is I got the TurboTap, which allowed you to hook up four controllers to your Turbo Graphics, and then you play Bomberman, and it was just madness because four people on the couch uh, trying to blow each other up in this game is awesome. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, but memory memory is telling me that back in the day you could get two. Turbo tabs, which are basically just like controller hubs, and if you plugged one to slot one and the other one to slot two, that gave you up to eight people. Could you do no, eight five, people bomber man? Five, people. five, yeah, okay, yeah, five. That you could do that. So the first player was the the first uh, controller slot, and then the turbo tab was the second controller slot. Ah, so okay. that gave you an extra four. So you had five. That's a and strange. That's a strange number for multiplayer. It is a strange number, but Bomberman knew that, so I guess they talked to them like when they were developing. It's a Hudson Soft developing the game, so in the uh, options menu, it's up to five people. So, anywho, Super Graphics Mini is amazing, and also I'm playing because remember how I was on an ease kick for a while. You're always on an ease kick. Oh, I always am. Yeah, but uh, I went to go to play Celseta, uh, which is in the actual like historical timeline. The um, canon timeline. The canon timeline would be the next one after the Origins game, but after one and two. But I think I told you on the podcast I'm not going to go back to play one and two because I played it on the Turbo Graphics. Right, right, right. Well, you I can check those off your list. That's fine. You did it. I know, but hold on. I'm going back on my word. And I'm, are you going to do it on your mini? <laughs> I'm going to play it on my mini because that oh, is man. the way that it was developed. And I don't think I beat two, <clears throat> so. I'm going to go crazy and like just play it because by wow. the way, the mini has the save states, which is great. Oh yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So man, good for you, dude, that you're going to like, that is like a, like life dream come true. You're going to play through all the ease games and I can think of nothing more appropriate for you, man. That's amazing. I know. And then just be able to play on the actual system is kind of cool. Uh, before we leave this house, which is pretty much clean and swept, uh, two quick little notes. Uh, Scavengers, the game I used to work uh, on and for is yes. launching right now. Uh, or just did launch in uh, not official launch, but pre-release on so PC early access on PC. So if you're out there, I still highly recommend the game. It's like ridiculous fun, multiplayer uh, third person shooter with melee. Uh, and it's in pre-release, which means just go on Twitter or go on Twitch and look for Twitch drops and try to find like a code. Cause there's like a million codes out there, but you have to have a code to play it. Yeah. You know, you invited uh, my son and I to your studio when you were there and we got a little, pre 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 preview hands-on and i really liked what i saw i thought it was actually very cool it's a kind of game that i could really imagine um like my, my family kind of just playing like at night like a family kind of game it seemed really cool so i'm definitely looking forward to it i'm not going to play it on pc but I, you know it's coming to like all consoles it'll come to consoles yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah they're working on that but um anybody who's listening to us that do play uh pc games check it out and you know again go to twitch just watch any stream and you'll be able to find a code i'm sure but I, I, it's incredible what they've achieved with it already, like graphics-wise, so pretty cool. And also, uh, similarly, another shooter is launching on Game Pass, I think today. It launched just today. Yeah, and it's called Second Extinction, and it's a, I don't know, squad-based shooter where you fight dinosaurs? Yeah, my son, I actually, I was trying to find time to play it today, and I just did not have time, but... We previewed it at Game Critics a while ago. Dan Weisenberger uh, played a preview. He actually had a lot of really good things to say about it. 
and I was kind of keeping my eye on it. You basically start off in a spaceship. You like get in a little drop pod. You drop down to the surface of the planet and you just shoot like crazy amounts of dinosaurs. And then you have to like extract. Mm. I'm going to try it tonight. Probably talk about it on the show next week. But it is uh, on Game Pass. I was very surprised to see it. I didn't realize it was coming to Game Pass so soon. There's no reason not to try it. So I'll try it as well. And the next episode, we'll both talk about it. Absolutely. Oh, wait, we should play together then. We could actually be on a team. I mean, yeah, I don't know how many people you can fit on a team, but yeah, that's something we could definitely do. We both got the consoles, and it's on Game Pass, so why not? Wait, are, we're not even friends on Xbox yet, are we? We're not. I don't think oh we are. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we do a podcast every week for years. I wasn't even friends with my son on Xbox until literally yesterday. Nice. So. Okay, I don't feel as bad. <laughs> yeah. But add me after this, and we'll uh, we'll do some gaming, and then we'll talk about like actually being on a team together next time. We'll see if we can make it work. We'll see. All right, cool. I like I like that answer cuz you're like it might not happen, Carlos. It might not ha- it, it might not happen because I know my schedule's crazy. I know our times don't always sync up, so maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. We'll see. Okay, and that's it. The house the house is clean. Excellent, excellent. Pretty good housekeeping session there. Lots of stuff covered. And now we are going to get right into the content of the show. Lots of actually pretty good stuff to talk about uh this week. Really excited. Also, uh comments and a couple shout-outs coming at the end of the show. Uh so we'll get to those in a minute. But before that, let's get to the meat of stuff today. Carlos, starting with you, Breath Edge. I, I did not know much about this game, uh, but I did know that it was a first person set in space, and I knew it was kind of funny or something. Yeah. Um, you started playing it, and then I started playing it also. Uh, I did not play very much, but I'm going to let you lead on this. Talk to us about Breath Edge, and then I'll give you my two cents at the end. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you played a little bit of it, too. Um, originally, though, I want to say... I'm saying weird words today. I think it's my in- intestines. It's like making me say words that don't make any sense. Um, I was going to say, uh, before I played this game, I watched the movie Stowaway on Netflix. What is that movie? It's a space movie. So it's like uh, people are stranded in space and they got to figure it out. And it's kind of a drama, but it's also like sci-fi. Is it pretty intense? It's actually just depressing. So oh, if no. anybody wants to like just kind of have a sci-fi like drama depressing movie, I guess then that's the one you, you are want. too happy. You got too much joy in your life these days. <laughs> yeah. Check out Stowaway. I kind of was hoping for some sort of supernatural weird change. And this is a spoiler in a good way because it's not that. So, oh, okay. but I bring it up because lots of times I've mentioned in the show, I'll watch something and then play something similar. Yes, you have so, done that several times. I've done it several times. So I thought that would be the same thing, but I just got super depressed, but then wanted to go into space, and then I picked up Breath Edge. So I had played it last week, and I kind of played more this week. Um, and what this this game is is similar to, I think there's another game, I'm forgetting the name of, that's first person, you're floating around in space. Like Adrift with number adrift. one with the eye. That's yeah. right. Yes, thank you. It's similar to Adrift, so if you think about that game, uh, think of Adrift, but funny and really, really ridiculous at times. So you start the game by basically um, you're on a spaceship or a rocket or whatever, some sort of craft, and you uh, have your grandfather who has passed, and you have his casket with you, and I guess you're on the way to the funeral, and explosion happens, and you crash, and like the main cockpit area where you were, your little cabin is intact, but outside it's just mayhem, like spaceship parts everywhere. All the stuff that was on all these like flights of spaceships or whatever, or such like exploded in space. And so what you have to do the whole game is, is you have to go out into space, collect resources, learn like what happened, like learn story bits, and then come back to your little cabin 
and then craft things and chill out. So like that's the loop of the game. And it's first person, and you're kind of in zero G the whole time, right? First person, zero G. Uh, are you zero G in the cabin? No, I don't think you are. Oh, but outside the cabin. You yeah, you get pressurized and you go into your little cabin. There you go. There you go. Um, and in the cabin, there's things like uh, a TV, so you can play like little VHS tapes you find, which have kind of pieces of lore and stuff. And the whole thing is like tongue in cheek. So like the beginning of the game, it says like they're doing the animatic, um, cinematic uh, cutscenes, and it's like from the director of The Matrix. You know, it comes a, a game where, and they just keep saying like really corny things. You remember what's another? Yeah, thing that say? are all not true. It was like, oh, this font took us two weeks to, to yeah. find, and <laughs> like they give you the, the the title, and then immediately after that, they give you like a little contradiction of it or whatever. Yeah, so it's yeah, they're just, just joke fun. titles. Yeah, yeah, it's all jokes in the beginning, and they basically the whole. I'd see. I guess it seems like the whole game is a flashback because in the beginning, you're you know there first person talking to two robots, and the robots are mad at you, and they're like, "Tell us the story, what happened," and then you kind of like go into you know, the, the the game loop that I just talked about where you're in this stranded area and trying to piece together what happened. Oh, and there's chickens for some reason. There's a lot of references to this chicken. Yes. And you have a chicken and you can do things with it, which is really ridiculous. Oh, and there's a pee button and you can pee on things. You got to love, you got to love the pee button. Yeah. I, I, I have mixed feelings about this, but I'll let you interject now if you want. Um, so I didn't, you know, again, I didn't know much about this other than it was like a zero G game. I didn't realize it was a survival game. And to be honest with you, the presentation of this game and when it starts out, I found it to be very confusing, um, because I didn't, I went into it basically cold and I was just confused about what, it, okay, there's a lot of jokes going on. And then there's like a cutscene where it looks like I'm getting interrogated. I'm not sure what's happening. And then all of a sudden I'm in a ship and I'm in space. Like the whole setup of it was kind of. It just didn't hold together in my head, and I was honestly kind of confused about what I was supposed to be doing and what was going on. And then I got to the gameplay part, and I was like, okay, I do not feel like I have a very good grasp on what's happening, so I'm going to just explore the environment. The buttons, I don't know if you found this or not, but I found the buttons to be mapped by an insane person. Something about those buttons does not work for my brain, and I kept really struggling with the controls. I just could not get them to work in my head, and I just like felt very uncomfortable and kept pushing the wrong buttons, and I was just like, wandering around, and I saw lots of stuff to pick up, and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing. I don't and... think the buttons bother me, but the uh, the weird thing where you had to like take things out of your inventory, then map them to other. Oh buttons, God, that was terrible. That was, that was bad. terrible. Because in the very that, beginning, yeah. you have to like uh, like close up this like air gap that's coming out, right? Like all this air is coming out. Yeah, like the air is leaking out. You got to seal up the leak. Sure. Yeah, and you have this piece of bubble gum, and I was like, I have no idea how to put this bubble gum in this like <laughs> hole. I kept putting the, I kept letting go of the bubble gum in space, and it yeah, would just float there. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm, why? Why am I not putting it on the tube where I want it? To? Okay. I was like, it was really strange, really frustrating. And to be honest, I just, I just felt like they were so focused on getting to the jokes, which frankly I didn't find to be very funny. That they didn't set up the gameplay very clearly because I just didn't have a good idea in my head of what the fuck I was supposed to be doing. I just felt like I was wasting my time, and with the buttons being so confusing, I just I just got a really bad taste in my mouth and I bounced like almost immediately. Wow, immediately. Okay, well there's more fun to be had here. So I have some of the same issues, especially with the controls. I think they're they were a little off, uh, to put it lightly. I, I did like some of the jokes, and I like just basically like not feeling <laughs> again i just come from a really depressing sci-fi movie sure and i was like oh i needed this um and yeah some of the jokes land some of them don't uh, i'm not sure if it's like an english barrier translation maybe uh, i mean this game is not an english-made game they're from europe or from uh 
Eastern Europe or something. Yeah, I think there's something there in like the missed humor, you know? Yeah. At least on me, right? And like, again, we're not in the maybe the specific uh, region, whatever. But uh, overall, some of them were still just like funny anyhow. And I didn't find peeing on things funny at all. But uh, (laughs) the thing that I actually did like, and I ended up playing it way longer than I thought it would. Okay. Is because obviously there's a campaign story bits and you're trying to figure out what happened. But similar to like, hmm, what's a good example? Kind of like a detective game. When you start floating around space and like scanning things and like reading things that you found, like you'll you'll like piece together more of like what happened. And that just was interesting to me. And also this it's a huge resource collection thing where like everywhere in space there's like weird pieces of food or like resources or something you need, like metals or wires. And then there's like really funny scenes, like one scene. They're like little dioramas. Like there's a scene where two guys are playing video games and it's like straight up like Mortal Kombat. I think it was called Mortal Wombat. Okay. And uh, and like it was kind of fun to just like almost like a, a ride or something. You know, you come upon these like really weird little scenes and then, of course, you like collect data from it. Um, so I, I also, by the way, I turned it off uh, like the competitive or normal mode. I made it like easy mode, mm-hmm. which actually made it like super much more fun to play because the very beginning I was like, I'm just dying all the time. Uh, or it was like, you know, you had to like worry about your oxygen. Uh, Okay. If you turn that off, it's much easier and much more fun because then you actually can like see a bunch of the scenes that they built. Um, so I was just having fun floating around, collecting resources, going back, crafting things, learning more about the story. And I had an okay time. It was like, not bad that way. Um, That's cool. I've heard some people compare it to Subnautica in a lot of ways. Have you played hmm. Subnautica? Uh, you've talked about it on the show, I think. Subnautica <laughs> is great. I really love Subnautica a lot. And it, it, on the surface, um, it seems like there are some similarities where you have a home base, you got to collect resources, you got to craft stuff, you got to survive. I mean, it seems like they check a lot of the same boxes, although Subnautica was not a humorous game. It was a, a serious sci-fi. Um, but I think there's a, there's a lot to be done when it comes to introducing a player to the systems making it go slowly, like really making sure they know what they're doing. And I, I get that they want to make a funny game and jokes are important, but also it's a game you got to play. And for me, I just like, I didn't feel like they walked me in enough. I didn't feel invested enough. And I just started like bumping up against the roughness of the systems. And mm. like, a, like a joke or two isn't enough to get me past that. So yeah, yeah. I, w- I, w- I wish they would have done a little bit better at not worrying so much about setting up the humor, but just like setting up the game itself. And then once that was established, feel free to let the jokes roll on. But I felt like they kind of got their priorities a little bit mixed up there. Yeah, I agree. And I would say that anybody who wants to give it a try, though, um, just put it on that, like, I think it's called free mode or something. Just whatever the easiest mode is. Okay. Because then you'll actually, like, just relax and kind of, like, go, like, explore. And I think that's where this game excels is because being in zero gravity and not, like, worried like you are to drift or worried like you are in this game if it's on not easy mode, you know? Yeah. You can actually go and try to find some of the humor and stuff and... Some of it might land, some of it might not, but I, I found it relaxing after I wasn't worried about like surviving. Well, that's good advice, and it definitely sounds like that is where this game is strongest. You know, maybe the storytelling, the humor part, the detective part. So, yep. you know, take Carlos's advice, put it on easy or whatever that mode is called, and just kind of take in that side of things. So that is Breath Edge. You played it on what, PS5? PS5 slash PS4, yeah. Oh, wait, or go. Xbox. I think Xbox. It's on probably all the consoles. I okay, think, so. I'm not sure. All right, there we go. Moving on, just a really quick one from me. Shout out to Little Mouse's Encyclopedia. This is a brand new game. I believe it's on Switch and Xbox. It might be on PC. 
Maybe it's on everything. I don't know. We don't do research here, but if you no, look for don't. it, you can find it. This is kind of an edutainment game. Um, I They sent it to us at Game Critics, and I said, well, look, I'm not going to review this, but I have a kid who's in the ballpark, and I will let him play it, and then I will report back on the show if that's cool with you. And they said, sure. So actually, very delightful little game. Um, basically, you play a little mouse, and you the whole game is depicted in 2D hand-drawn art. It looks very much like a child's storybook, something very cool, like you would get a pick off the shelf at Barnes and Noble or something, something that you might buy for your son or your daughter or your nephew or whatever, little cousin or something. Very cool. It looks wonderful. Like I love the art. And what you do is you basically have this little mouse and you just walk around. There's like, I think four different environments, I believe. And you just walk around and look at things. Uh, and you'll see like a bug and you walk up to the bug and push a button. And then a little window pops up and it's like, Oh, this is a pill bug and it lives under logs and it eats dead vegetation and it you know like they give you like five or five or ten little factoids about every little thing that's in the environment there's plants there's fish there's birds and like you know there's no combat there's no no fighting there's no collecting anything like you're just walking around the environment very chill very laid back taking in the wonderful illustrations and just being soothed and learning little fun facts about all the different animals that you encounter. So it's very much about just like, like it says, it's called Little Mouse's Encyclopedia. Literally, that's what it is. You're a little mouse, and he's going through encyclopedic knowledge of the living world around him. Hmm. So it's just really, really cool. My son really liked it a lot. He went through it, and he had a lot of fun just reading all the different entries. And I looked at it over his shoulder, and I'm like, oh, this actually is pretty cool. Like, I learned a couple of facts I didn't know about. And it was just something really neat that was there he could interact with, and it was more exciting and more fun than like reading a book, but it also had a lot of like bookish type knowledge. And I mean that in a good way. And it also had like a really nice AV presentation. So if you are a parent or if you know some young person who might really enjoy something like this, uh, or, you know, if you got a, you're at home on the Xbox and you're playing a lot of gears of war, but then you feel bad because your kids are looking over your shoulder and you don't want to pop any more heads, you know, get a little mouse encyclopedia, <laughs> put something on that they can watch, sit down with them, put them on your lap and go through it with them, read the facts if they can't read or you can, they can read it to you, whatever, and learn a little bit about animals and bugs and trees. It was just like a really good time. Really, really cool. I would love to see more things like this uh, hit all the consoles. It's wonderful. Yeah, I was going to say that that's just kind of seems like the future of learning, right? Oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. I would I love mean, to like, yeah, if this was all school was, I would have, you know, I would have stayed in school. Yeah, we would have <laughs> learned more probably. Probably um, so. I did see the art of this because I was going through Xbox as I do uh, and looking at every single new game. And uh, it looked really cool. The art, I remember being like awesome looking. Um, so yeah, it seems cool. Perfect for what you just said. Yeah, it's really, really nice. If you got kids or, you know, you got some uh, family member you think might enjoy it, definitely check it out. I think it's really well done for what it is. I give it totally thumbs up. We had a great time. So that was Little Mouse's Encyclopedia. I played it on, or my son played it on Xbox. It is definitely on the Switch. And I'm not sure about the other platforms, but I'm sure a quick Google search will find your information all right that was little mouse's encyclopedia turn it back to you carlos uh picking a game that you surprised me with man i did not expect to see you playing this game but you have played it and it's i think there's probably a funny story behind this whole thing devil slayer roxasi uh put out by indie nova it is a top down like overhead view uh, to the point where it's like 2D, you're looking directly above the heads of your characters. It is a roguelike starring several different, I want to say like they're all demons of some kind, like they're female, they're devil slayers, but some of them are also demons. I'm a little bit hazy on the mythology here, but basically it's a top-down roguelike where you go into these dungeons and fight a bunch of monsters, unlock some gear, 
get new weapons. Um, it's a really classic roguelike uh, in many, many ways. Uh, but I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, but before we get to my thoughts, you played it before I even played it. And you told me you're playing this and I'm like, what, what is Carlos <laughs> doing playing a roguelike? So how did you find this game? Why did you jump in? And what do you think about it? Man, the trailer is really good. I'll tell you, I'll tell it's, you an, what. it's an amazing trailer. Yes. Yeah. And I like the idea that you have all these different characters. Uh, like you said, these women who are devil slayers and they all have like this different feel. It's got really cool anime art style art. Um, the top down is a little different. So I was really excited about that because it was different than I'm used to. Um, and if it's a melee mainly focused game, I'm usually in, right? Uh, even if it is a roguelike. But I really, I like the style a lot. Um, as you know, I try everything. So I was like, I haven't found one damn roguelike that I like yet, I swear. And so maybe this is it because I really like the style and I like melee and I like, uh, it seems like I could do this kind of combat, you know, very well. Mm-hmm. So overall, the, the the short answer is that I really do like it. Uh, I had to make a couple adjustments to how I play it, and now I'm like kind of fully in. But I have some questions for you as well. Okay. Uh, in general, though, the game has a lot of lore, and a lot of it, it seem, doesn't seem like you really need to know. It like keeps throwing a ton of stuff at you about the story and stuff. Um, but it all is pretty interesting. And... Uh, where do I start? Well, well, for one thing, the aiming is a little weird where you use the right analog supposedly to aim your attacks, but you can lock on to things that way. But then it's really kind of cumbersome because you're hitting attacks with the face buttons. So yes. you're not like you're attacking with your right analog stick at all. So it just means you like look in the direction with the right analog stick. I just found that really, really annoying um, and pretty much didn't use it. Uh, you know, like I just kind of was aiming at whoever I was facing. Did you have that same kind of thing? It's an unusual system, but I figured it out pretty quickly. I mean, basically you're just using the right stick to highlight the person that you want to be attacking. And then the game kind of auto aims for you. So if you're in a crowd of like three or four people or monsters or whatever you pick, I mean, if you don't do anything, it will auto target the one that you're facing if you start attacking. But I, you know, I was kind of like playing kind of defensively. I would highlight whichever one seemed like to be the best one. And then I would kind of like position myself around um, and not worrying too much about trying to stay focused because the game kind of handled that pretty well. It's weird and it's unusual, but once I got the hang of it, I felt like it worked pretty well. It's a little weird. I, every once in a while I still had to like reset it a little bit and I, I just, yeah. it frustrated me. But in general, I was doing pretty well. Like there's a couple different modes. Um, there's like a, again, an easy mode. I forget what they call it. Um, there's a normal mode and then there's hard. I believe those are the three ones. And I played it in normal for a while and was doing okay, but I didn't like something about that. You have health potions, but they're very rare. And like, right. It's like, it's pretty hard to like heal in this game. Oh yeah. If you don't have a health potion and again, they are pretty rare. If you don't buy one or, you know, one might drop from a chest once in a while, but in general you're walking around without any health potions. Yeah. So you got to be pretty defensive and they, they, that's how a lot of the difficulty comes in is like, you got to just really conserve your life and, and be careful, right? Yeah. Well, as I was playing in normal, and then I'll tell you about my the the easy mode. In normal, I was still having a good time. I was dying more than I would like, but um, I got frustrated because I got pretty far and I opened up all these new weapons because uh, basically at some point you can uh, pay these things. I think they're called souls, are they? What are they? They are called souls. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And you well, you pay these different people in like the little hub towns to upgrade your shit, like very roguelike. Um, and so one of the first things I upgraded was like use two weapons, right? Because I had one weapon and I wanted to use one of the other weapons I was picking up because I it was crazy. Some of these chests after you beat a boss were like a bunch of weapons. 
and I could not, for the life of me, like use the second weapon. I couldn't the whole time I played, and I played this game for a long time. I still haven't figured out. I must be really stupid, and you're about to tell me that I am, or it's broken or something. But I was so excited because there were so many cool weapons. And one of the main reasons I picked this up is because I like the characters and I like the weapon style and just, you know, all these kind of different ways to attack the enemies. And I couldn't use the damn second weapon. Am I just dumb? Did you figure it out? I mean, I haven't figured it out because I haven't unlocked that in the hub. I mean, like you said, when you no, get it's back... No, it's in the world. Like when you beat a boss, you'll get like a chest and the chest random has weapons in it. I, no, very true. But you can't even have a second weapon until you unlock that ability in the hub. You oh, right. To... I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You have to first find a, uh, I believe it's a scroll, and you find that fairly early on. You take it back to the hub, and there's a guy, um, there's like three or four different merchants in the hub. One of them is like a record keeper. You can look up your records. One of them will unlock new drops that you will find in the environment. One of them unlocks um, permanent skills. Eh, I forget what the other one is. But basically, like you just you, you go in the levels, kill some dudes, get the souls, come back to the hub and then you can unlock these things. And that's one of the ones you have to unlock is like the ability to wield a second weapon. Right. I have not unlocked that yet because there's like so many other things that to me feel like more of a priority for my particular play style. So I can't, I don't know how to switch the weapon because I haven't unlocked it yet. But also by the way, even, even if you didn't unlock it, this is why it's, I, I'm confused. I was in my first playthrough, uh, on normal and I unlocked the weapon early on, which again, I get think it's probably random. And I was so psyched, and I didn't have the second ability or second uh, equipable thing skill. But you shouldn't need it. It's a fucking game. Like, let me pick the other weapon. I mean, couldn't you just switch though? Because I have switched weapons, but I have not had two weapons at the same. time. Have you time. switched weapons? Oh yeah, I've mul- multiple times have switched weapons. Yeah. And you're supposed to push like the down button on directional pad to do that, right? It's like when you find one or like usually it's in the shop. Like I, I see the, the blacksmith or something and I just get a new weapon. I just trade like your old one stays in the ground. You pick up the new one and you move on. It's just push X or something. Like okay. So real quick, this is in the weeds, but this is important. If, if, you're okay, gonna, okay. if people are listening, they want to play. I did the same thing. I went to a store. You find these little stores. It's very much yes. like Zelda. So I, or other roguelikes, but I was thinking of it as like Zelda where there's different rooms, right? And you go north, south, east, or west. Yeah. The level design is very like squares, kind of like a Zelda dungeon. Sure. Yeah. And then you have this ability to teleport, which is cool. So if you get, basically you don't have to backtrack all the way. So at some point, if you open up the little room that you want to go to or the, like the square, you can just kind of teleport to it. So I teleported back to the shop after I un- unlocked it and mm. I had money to buy something. I bought a really awesome spear and I, it, you're right. It did switch it for me. It wasn't me switching weapons, though, right? It wasn't like push down on directional path. No, no. You just you choose the new one when right. you buy it and get so rid of the old one. You yeah. didn't switch weapons then because neither of us have. Because I did that too. But then later, I beat a boss, got like all these katana blades and all these different cool things, and I couldn't equip any of them. So that's fucked. That's like broken. I'll have to check into that. I haven't had that experience so far, so I'm not sure. I, I've been playing. I played... I almost beat the game um, with the first person I used, and I'm on a second character now. Uh, and I have not found a weapon that I could pick up. I have only found weapons in the in the blacksmith shop, so I haven't found any weapons from drops. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, let me just my, finish my my review. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I really do like the combat a lot. Like it, it's really interesting because there's no other game like it right now that I can think of, which is that top down view, like you said. Um, you're doing top down. You're dodging. The dodge is actually fun. Like it's fun as shit. Like. I really like love dodging and the attack for each weapon is different. You know, like I have this huge spirit, it goes much slower, but there's all these really good combos. 
And I like the environments a lot because it's not just like a dungeon. It's like each one is like one's like a burned down town or something. And one's a jungle and there's like insects. So it did feel like different, you know, environments, uh, almost like an RPG-ish in that way. And once I did finally like die enough times, I turned out, I put it on easy mode mm. or whatever that's called. And that was just fun as shit because it just basically en- enables like unlimited health potions. So if you're like screwed, I mean, I, I tried my hardest, okay, without using all of them. What? There's no unlimited health potions. What are you talking about? Yeah, there is. Yeah. It opens up this menu that when you push the touchpad, I'm playing PS5. Um, oh, are you talking about like the cheat menu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. So there's the difference there. There's like straight up easy mode, but then there's also within that mode, there's also like a whole list of cheats. I haven't touched any of those cheats at all. So you were able to toggle on some extra stuff. Okay, I haven't. Yeah, seen yeah. That and mode. by the way, you you basically just it, what it just turns comes down to if you want to play it like easy mode is it's it's like a little easier, but it's still hard. You know, like I was still like dying at the, some of the same bosses. So what it does is you can just open it up and, and give yourself potions, essentially. Gotcha. Okay, um, okay, gotcha. And so I used it for that because, again, for like, you know, we always talk about this. We don't have much time. We're trying to review a game. And I got farther by using those potions. And that's, you know, screw me. I, I wanted to have a fun time. <laughs> um, and I did, you know, after I finally did that. And I wasn't like gratuitous, you know. I didn't use them all the time. But if I was in a pinch and I wanted to beat a boss and I was doing really well, I was like, well, I'll just use one potion and like see if I could beat him. And I did, you know. So... I had a good time. I want to be able to pick up the weapons because there's so much loot uh, later on when I was beating some of those later bosses that I was like, so excited, but I couldn't use the loot. So that took a little bit of the wind out of my sails. But I enjoyed this way more than I thought I would. Interesting. Okay. So I, um, you know, as everybody knows on the show, I am Mr. Roguelike, and this is absolutely a roguelike. I think it's a really, really good one. I, I like the presentation. Um, the top down was a little bit strange at first, but I got used to it pretty quickly. And I think it does give a different flavor to the melee combat uh, just because you're kind of looking only on a 2D plane. Like you're looking like directly down onto your character. So all you can see is like their shoulders and the top of their head, which is kind of strange at first. Uh, but you fall into a rhythm pretty quickly. I feel like the combat feels pretty good. Uh, first character was like a sword user. You got some combos and stuff. You can parry. Parrying I thought was really well done because it was super easy to do, which is thumbs up. I like that a lot. Uh, next character, which I'm using now, is like the spear lady, and the spear feels a lot different from the sword, so that's really good. But uh, the other thing that I really like about this is that it really understands its genre. You know, there's the hub, where you go back to spend your souls. There is a lot of randomness, which I think is good, keeps the game feeling fresh, but at the same time, you also have a lot of uh, permanent progression stuff, which I love. Every good roguelike these days, I feel, must have some kind of permanent progression, because that's what keeps you going. That's the thing yeah. that kind of gives you hope that someday, even if I have a thousand failed runs, if I just save up enough stuff or if i unlock enough stuff that one day that 1001 run i'll have enough stuff to make it like you gotta have that little hope right so that is good i think the the various different characters you can unlock are good every time you beat a boss it unlocks like another boss and so like there's more stuff to do you're not really doing the same level every single time it's randomly generated but also the stuff you see in there and also the bosses are different i went to the first time I went through a level, it was like a guy on a horse or something, and that was like the boss. The next time I got to that level, that guy on a horse was just like a schmuck, and there was like a brand new boss in that same level, and he was like way harder than the guy on the horse. So like there was definitely a progression, and it kept it feeling fresh and interesting, which is really good. The moment-to-moment gameplay is really good because you find a lot of items. My first run, I found boots that let me lay down spider webs everywhere I went, and it slowed down enemies behind me, and then I found... I was on like a spider kick. I found like this item that let me create a demon spider for every like 100 points of damage that I dealt. And so like I'd be whacking dudes and all of a sudden this giant fucking spider would show up out of nowhere. And it scared me at first because I thought it was an enemy. 
but it started attacking everybody else. So I'm like, okay, cool. And little baby spiders showed up and I had like this whole little army of like little spiders with me. And that was pretty cool. Spider minions. Yeah. And on this other run, I have a totally different uh, build where um, I found like an abomination where it's like this giant meat like dude and he doesn't attack, but he just walks. He's like a giant damage sponge. So he draws aggro all the time. So whenever you go into a room, he just like stands there like a doofus and takes all the hits while you're like circling around and killing the guys who are attacking him. It feels totally different from the first run, right? Like having an army of spiders way different than having like this tub of meat who walks around with you all over the place. Right. right. Um, And and then switch to to switch to my character who had a little mouse with him. Did you get the mouse? I haven't seen the mouse yet. (laughs) I unlocked the mouse and he just goes and gets me shit. He like also he like picks up items for you. Yeah, and stuff? yeah. He just runs oh. around. It's like opposite of like huge monster spider. It's like, hey, I'm gonna go over here. I got you something. I got you something. Um, yeah, but that, yeah. But I love that kind of yeah, yeah that stuff. All the runs feel different so far, which I really appreciate. And it just it feels good to play. Um, I'm playing on easy, but I haven't toggled anything on. Like I'm just playing vanilla easy mode, where it's like slightly less deadly. And I'm just having a great time. Like I'm really going through it. Um, just really enjoying the moment to moment stuff. Feels good. Looks good. I will say though. Um, kind of like you alluded to earlier, there's a, I don't want to say like there's a ton of lore, but there's a fair amount of lore and it's very, uh, I, I guess I just, it's not, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't want to say it's not well told. Maybe it makes perfect sense if you are from the culture that this game is from, uh, like an Asian culture, but I don't know the references. I don't know the people they're talking about. And it feels like maybe I would know if I was from there. I, I can't. Yeah, I don't say know if it's sure. that. I, I no? know what you're feeling, and I felt that same way. That's why I, I led with that when I first started talking about this. Yeah, is that it, it? Just confused me, and I think that they could have done a better job of like, like letting us in the door, you know, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because it was just a lot of stuff to read, and even like the characters talking to each other and stuff. Like you talk to that chesty lady a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, and I don't understand really. Like, I guess she's kind of helping me. I don't know, and maybe you're not supposed to know. But I, I was just more confused than I, uh, uh, you know, because it'd be it'd be helpful to like push you forward if you like yes. knew your yes, yes. inspiration. You know, um, also I want to say another positive that's cool as shit, and I obviously it's going to happen more and more in games uh, as the AI and stuff gets better. But I love when AI fights each other. Yes, and this happens, happens a lot. all the time in these boards. So I, did, I was not expecting that, you know, like you get into a board, and all of a sudden a monster is fighting like two soldier guys and you just like wait for them to, you know, fight each other for a while and then like attack them from behind or something. But a lot of like interplay within the NPCs happens in the AI. Yeah, the different cool. species often fight amongst each other. Like you said, you walk in the middle of a fight and you see like you wait them out or pick them off or something. They're yeah. focused on each other. You can come in and like get a couple good hits in. So that's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like this game's story is kind of like everybody knows what's going on except for you. And they're not really taking a lot of time to fill you in, which is kind of a bummer. But honestly, most of this experience is just the physical moment to moment action. Um, it's not bumming me out too much. But overall, I think this game is really, really cool. I really like it a lot. I think it's going for like 15 bucks brand new, which is a great deal. Yeah. And if you want some roguelike action, this is a really well done one. I would definitely recommend this to anybody who likes roguelikes. And I know my roguelikes. I play them all. You this know is roguelikes. a good one. You're a Mr. Absolutely. Roguelike. I'm Mr. No Play Roguelikes, and I like it. So that says something pretty much. That you know, definitely right says there. something. So. Uh, I want to say one more thing before we leave this, though. I uh, I was really, really far in the game. and I, I had unlocked all those weapons and a new character and everything. And all of a sudden... Um, I wanted to just, what did I want to do? I wanted to just like stop the game, like go back mm-hmm. to the main menu or something. Yeah. And like, um, and I thought it would just save my per- progress or whatever. I forgot what the save system is in this game. If 
or if there is any, but yeah, you just go to the start menu and then it just says return to main menu. Would you like to save? And yes. And then you go. Okay. So I fucked that up the first time and it was a good run and I hit the reset button. Oh um, no. Don't hit the reset button people. Uh, it, it doesn't send you just back to the main menu, menu. I know like I, I'm an idiot. You know, I think there was an option that said go back to main menu. Anyways, I hit reset and it was like, I just I reset my entire progress. Yeah, so, don't do that, folks. Don't do that. Yeah. But uh, quit to main menu. That's quit to main menu. menu. I, I like this game, too. Great. All right. Looks like double thumbs up from us. That is Devil Slayer Roxasi coming from Indie Nova. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, all right. I got a couple of quickies to talk about. Not a whole lot to say about either one, but I do want to mention them. First one is Journey of the Broken Circle. Uh, I was sent this code by the developer or the publisher, and they wanted me to take a look at it, said that it would, so that's what I'm doing right now. This is basically a really small indie project. Uh, I'm not sure how many people worked on it. Probably not very many, a couple people probably. Where you play a circle with a wedge taken out of you. So you very much resemble like Pac-Man, but without the eyeball. And you're lonely, and you're looking for your missing piece because you want to be a complete circle. What you do is you roll from left to right. It's a 2D game, and you kind of like go through these different environments. Trees, forests, mountains, caves. You're kind of just rolling from left to right. Uh, once in a while, you'll meet somebody. You'll meet like a tree that talks, or you'll meet uh, a pine cone or something like that. You'll just have a little quick conversation about how you're feeling lonely and how you want to find your place in the world, etc., etc. I mean, ultimately, it's about, from what I saw anyway, it's about, you know, Knowing who you are, finding your good match, not settling for somebody who's not a good match for you, you know, wanting to feel like you, you know, find companionship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, those are all those are all good messages, but I got to be honest and say I just found the gameplay to be really boring. Um, it's not a really challenging game, which I think is fine. I mean, I don't need a lot of challenge. I'm not here to you know tell anybody to get good or anything like that. But it was just a lot of like rolling from left to right, uh, a couple jumps here and there. You find a couple little hidden items which are mushrooms they're little pickups that unlock a bonus level but overall like it was not super exciting to play and when we got to the dialogue even though this is a short game probably no more than two hours long um every time we started talking i was just like okay this is like a lot of talking and it feels kind of preachy and stilted and it didn't really endear me to the circle very much i kind of felt like it was it, it just didn't feel like natural dialogue it didn't click with me at all um so i bounced out of it before finishing even though it is a really short game i mean it's it's cute enough, and if you want something, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Thomas was alone a little bit. Oh if yeah, you yeah. That. But that has some really good humor. Yeah, it's not it's not funny. There's no humor in this game, and uh, it's not as good as Thomas was alone. But it's kind of in that same basket. So if you want to play as some kind of a shape that is lonely, and you're kind of going on a journey. This is a good second option if you haven't played Thomas was alone. Okay. Um, but overall, it was just. I mean, you know, I, I can't say too much because I didn't finish it because that's, uh, you know, it kind of lost me. But that's it's a game that exists out there in the indie space. So I guess check it out if you yeah. want to check it out. It sounds like your review is if it were the Game Pro review, it'd be like that guy in the middle who's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Kind of a meh face. It wasn't terrible, but the whole time I was playing it, I got to be honest, I was just like, I could be playing something else right now. And mm. that's not a good place to be. So there you go. Journey of the Broken Circle. That's a game that exists. I you know, thought I would like it. Didn't like it that much. There we go. Um, just one more really quick thing before we turn it back to you, Carlos, or something quite a bit juicier. Mm. Um, just a really, really quick shout out. I'm not going to talk about it this show. I will probably talk about it next show. 
but I got sent Terminator Resistance from Gamefly. Oh, oh, and I was excited to hear about this. Oh, man. So, okay, I, I didn't know what to expect. I put it on my queue a million years ago because, uh, again, Dan Weissenberger uh, reviewed it for us at Game Critics, and he was, like, surprisingly up on it. Like, he liked it, like, a lot, which shocked me because I was expecting it to be, like, one of those really cheap licensed games where it was just trash that had the Terminator name on it, you know, quick cash in for whatever movie was out at the time. Yeah. But he's like, no, 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 it's actually super good. And I'm like, wow, that shocked me. I did not expect that. So I put on my Gamefly queue. It finally arrived uh, like last week and I started playing it yesterday. And I got to say, like, I'm early days, right? Early days. I'm only like two levels in. But so far, I was actually surprised at how good of a time I was having. Um, In a nutshell, first person shooter. The graphics are kind of like um, somewhat cell shaded a little bit especially when you're talking to characters, you find a bunch of survivors. You will often have times when you were talking to survivors. So like you shoot some robots, you take a break. You're like in a little uh, safe zone. You see some survivors and you talk to them and they're like, Hey, Hey man, um, will you please get me some food? Yes or no. And then you can say yes or no. And then if you know, you do what they want, then they like you. If you don't do what they want, they don't like you. This is all supposed to matter in terms of the story. And you just have this like downtime, talk to the survivors, do some side quests, a lot of side quests so far where you can help people or not help people or just go straight to the objective and just the kind of back and forth between talking to the survivors and chilling and then getting out in the field and doing side quests while you're shooting Terminator robots. Pretty cool. Like I'm kind of into it so far. I'm really enjoying it. It is bananas. I just, I did not expect it. I didn't know what I expected except for that. It was going to be crap and it's not crap. I think it's actually really cool. So um, that's all I will say for now. I will talk more about it in depth next week, but I will say so far surprisingly positive on it. After I saw that, I think you might, might have mentioned that in a tweet or something. I went and looked at some reviews. Yeah. Because there are reviews of it. Um, mm-hmm. And not just the one on Game Critics, but other ones on like YouTube and stuff. And uh, it was crazy because people were like, oh, there's romance options in this game. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And then they showed like a lovemaking scene. And I was like, what is happening? And then you said it's like Telltale. And I was very, very confused. Yeah. It's, so, like, it's like Telltale. It reminded me very much of like Telltale's Walking Dead. Plus first person shooter plus the Terminator IP, which I in a million years, I never would have thought those things would come together. But that's exactly what this game is. And I'm hoping it stays as good all the way through as the first two levels have been. My fingers are crossed. So we'll we'll see. I want to check it out. It's not even available yet, though. I couldn't even pre-order it. It must be available because I got it through Gamefly. Gamefly doesn't do any early access stuff. It's got to be out somewhere. I went to my PS5 slash PS4 and it says announced and it's not available for anything. That's ridiculous. It's got to be somewhere because I got literally a physical copy of it sitting at my desk. And this is not from the publisher. It's just from straight up rental from Gamefly. So it's got to be somewhere. We'll track I, will, it down. I will look tonight we'll track uh, it down. and maybe both of us will talk about it next time. I think we probably should. We probably should. OK, OK. That is it for me. Turning it back over to you, Carlos, with a game that I'm sure many, 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 many people want to hear about. It's the brand new near replicant uh, just came out, I think, last week or a couple days ago, something like that. The, I mean, it's not really the sequel to Nier Automata, because actually the original Nier came way before Automata, but that was the game that nobody liked, everybody took a big shit on, and the developer, Yoko Taro, had a really hard time getting anybody to play it, it was kind of the joke of the industry for a while, uh, like, people made fun of it actively, like it was a cottage industry to take a shit on Nier for a long time. People who started with Automata might be surprised to hear that, but let me tell you, if you told people back in the day that you were a near fan, they thought you were stupid. Yep. So it's true. It's true. Yeah, that was a, a, but at the time I loved near, I was a stand for near a long time ago. Me and some other people 
uh, on Twitter had a pretty good little uh, click going where we would defend near whenever we had a chance to talk about it because we all really loved it very much. Real, real, then, quick, uh, real quick, before yeah. we leave the past, yeah, uh, I want to touch uh, base on that before I go into my thing. So I played it back in the day too. You know me. I play games when they come out. Sure. Uh, as soon as they come out, even with their their bugs and their craps and glitches. Uh, did You enjoyed it, obviously, right? Oh, I loved originally? it. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Did you beat it originally? Oh, yeah. Beat it all the way. Oh, I beat okay. it like the whole two endings, which was where Automata originally got that jam. Like you yep. had to beat it the second time. And I think there was even, I don't know how many times you had to beat it, but I think if you had to beat it, like I think three or four times for the whole, like the quote unquote real ending. Yeah. So this, this version is called near replicant 1.2 to something at a bunch of numbers. I don't know why they did that, but it's, it's funny. There's a lot of numbers after, and it is uh, not just a remake. It's a Japanese version essentially that we never got. And with updated graphics and with a new ending. So even though you played it back in the day, you would have to play this one for the full near experience, because I guess there's another ending that you didn't experience in the original. I mean, we're going to, there's a lot to talk about here. There's okay. a lot to talk about. We're going to get into that. But before we do, uh, just want to say you are correct. This, so when near came out originally, there were two versions of it. There was the Japanese version where the main character was like a young, uh, handsome, I mean, young adult male who is the star of this replicant version. Yes. But at the same time, they did not feel that American audiences would go for that. And to be, to be honest, I think they were correct. So they switched out that version of near with a different version. It was an older man. Uh, he had a daughter and the, in the Japanese version, it was a boy and his sister sister in, brother and sister. in the American version. Yeah. It was a father and his daughter. And he was a kind of an old broken down dude. There were some other changes. So it was, essentially the same game but there were some key differences one came to america one stayed in japan but this new one is the one that was in japan before so the american version i guess is just left in the past but what's weird is and i can't talk about what i want to ask you about unless it's spoiler so maybe the very end of this episode at the very end okay sure so i'll hit you with one of those but yes that's this is the one where it makes sense to me because i played the original but the brother sister combo makes a lot of sense like maybe makes more sense uh you know in the story bits so I like Nier. I like Nier Automata. Um, I didn't beat Nier originally, though. I didn't beat it the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I bounced because of some of the things that are bothering me now. Okay. So I have a love-hate relationship with this series now, and I didn't even know I did. Uh, real quick, I beat Nier Automata and all the endings, right? Like, was it three you're, of them? You're a crazy person. There's at least four, I believe. Okay, I beat at least three because I'm. I want to do the second. We have to do the second ending. Because that's a crucial one, I think, um, without spoiling it. But then there's a, a third ending. I think I did three. And I really, really liked my whole experience. But some of the things that bothered me in that game, I reminded myself of by playing this version, which is the puzzle stuff. So, Well, hang on a second. Before we get to that, tell us what yeah. Nier is. Because in case people don't know, what, right. is, so, what is this game? So about? Nier is an RPG, third person, action RPG. But it really isn't an action RPG. And there's like these. There's, I have two main problems with it. And one of them is that. And the fact is, yes, you go to towns, you can do side quests. Yes, there's a main campaign and you can like, you know, try to streamline that and find out what's going on with your sister because your sister in this version, it's your sister and she's sick and the whole game really revolves around why she's sick. You're trying to help her basically. Um, And then what you do along the way is basically, you know, find these different areas of the map, do side quests, which by the way, the side quests are really, really, really bad. And the fact that like I have a comment to say about that, but keep okay. going. Okay, most well, let me just say most of the side quests are like, "Hey, can you do something for me?" It involves five pieces of meat, 
five flowers, five, you know, wheat barrels. It's always just like a laundry list uh, or grocery list of stuff. So to me, most of those feel really stupid. But uh, And then, yeah, the story is really going to all these different locations and meeting new people. And it, I don't want to spoil the story. The story is really intense and, and kind of cool. But my problem was, one, this this game is, is, is like an experience, just like Automata was, where you really can't, it's really hard to win at it or level grind. It's more like it wants to take you where it wants to take you. Yes, and so very that, much so, very much so. Right, which to its credit and discredit, in my opinion, because this is me playing, you know, I played a lot of Automata, and I, I know what they do, which is they put you in an area and they go, here's a bunch of puzzles, like we talked about earlier, bullet hell stuff, or, you know, you got to shoot certain blocks at certain times. So what's weird about that is it all the like level grindy stuff and the stuff that I actually focused on getting new weapons, putting special magic abilities on each weapon, you know, it didn't matter because I got to an area. There's an area in this game where like they it's literally a town and the town says there's a law against using your powers (laughs) and there's a law against using your sword. And so you have to do all these puzzles exactly how they want you to do them, which is interesting. And I like it because it's different. But at some point, it just became annoying because I'm, I'm like 20 hours in or something. And I just got frustrated after a while. And then they do something which I can't talk about that's a spoiler where a lot of stuff that you did doesn't matter. And I remember they did that in Automata too. And I should have remembered, you know. So that was my biggest frustration is that like some of the puzzle levels, which are like actiony puzzle levels, were just like annoying Cause you're like, fuck, I just died again. I just died again. Not based on the fact that I'm like not leveled. Right. It's based on that. I have to do this timing thing. Right. 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 So that was my bigger frustration. And the second frustration was, yeah, because I had done all these special quests to like get the best sword, they switch it up on you in the story at some point. And like, I don't know if it really matters if you fucking get any levels in this game. Like I think near just wants to tell you a story and yeah, that's my hot take. What, what what are your thoughts on those those words? So this is all very interesting. We need to kind of guess. We need to go back in time a little bit because oh, because I loved Near very very much, and when it came out, because it did a lot of really really unusual things, it was a kind of a singular experience at the time, really groundbreaking on multiple levels. <clears throat> and what I liked about it was was that it was kind of a one of a kind experience when they came out with Automata. They lost that edge. And a lot of people never played the first year or they thought it was shit for whatever reason, you know. And of course, it was several years later. So people coming to Automata think of Nier as a very different thing than what I think of. When you think of the original Nier, which is what this remake is is based on, a lot of it was like meta commentary on video game design itself, right? So like the side quests that you talk about how they're trash, they were meant to be trash because that was the developer saying side quests are stupid. I don't want you to do these because these are all actively bad. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do these side quests, <laughs> it is going to make you suffer and you're going to hate doing it. That is my way of telling you, don't fucking do the side quests. Like they were, was his, it was his point, right? Right. The other part was like to also play with storytelling conventions. In the original Nier, you would go through like many different types of gameplay. Like there was like the bullet hell stuff. There was the third person action stuff in the overworld. Top there down, was, like, top down, top stuff. down yeah. stuff. There's like a, like the Diablo area. There's like, uh, there was like a resident evil level. So like it was kind of like all this little meta commentary about how game design works and how that all comes together to to fit like this larger whole. And then on top of that, it was also a story about perspective. And I don't want to give a bunch of spoilers, but back in the day when Nier first came out, you had to 
finish it more than once. We didn't know this at the time. Like this was not a thing they talked about. It was right. just a secret. So you would beat near and then you went through it. And if you, if, if you didn't want to play it again, you just missed out. Like you had no idea, right? You had to just play it again. And if you played it again, it was mind blowing at the time because, uh, Yoko Taro flipped around so many things. Like you played through the whole first game and your perspective of what you did was backwards when you went through because he would change um, like the commentary that people gave you, he would he would change who was telling the story. Yep. The perspective of how those scenes played out was totally different. Mind blowing, dude. It was crazy. So like on multiple levels, Nier was really doing like crazy, crazy stuff. And if you went all the way through and got like the fourth or fifth ending or whatever it was, I'm not going to spoil it again, but he did like like super meta stuff that actually had to do with like you, the player, being outside of the game. Like it was just really, really brilliant, right? So that was why I love the original Nier. Then Automata comes out and it kind of does a lot of the same things mechanically, but it didn't, I mean, you can't, you can't do that stuff twice, right? Like, right. It's like, uh, what's it? Not Resident Evil, um, Eternal Darkness, right? Yes. yes, You're like, oh, that thing has some things I was not expecting. You you make Eternal Darkness too. People are going to expect it, you know? Exactly. Like, like Nier was kind of a one of a kind thing. And so he tried to go back to do the multiple endings thing that didn't work for me. I felt like it was just really boring and kind of tacked on. It didn't work. And like a lot of the meta commentary that I really, really liked about the first game just wasn't in automata. I know a lot of people like the characters and that's fine. I don't want to, you know, yuck anybody's yum or anything, but that game just really just did not work for me. And I just, I bounced off it pretty hard. So now that you're talking about this new near, I know a lot of people remember me really liking it back in the day and people were expecting me to get back into it and like start cheerleading for it again. And I just, I'm not gonna because that was a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. I had that experience. It was great. And I don't want to replay it because I already know what it was back then. I don't know if it's even the same right now. And to be honest with you, looking at the new character, I can't even get into the new character because I'm so attached to the original dad character, well, not the brother character. Let me talk to you about something about that after the okay. show. But I want to say this. You articulated it perfectly for me because while I didn't beat it, I did get a lot of that sense of, um, like we just said, the eternal darkness of the original, which is like, hey, here's something I'm commentating on the genre, right? Or genres, because yeah, I played the Resident Evil like type level and it's like you're in a scary house all of a sudden. Yes, and yes. So I, I love that and I think I loved it too in the beginning but like you said, I think it was a moment. And you know what? Something even like, uh, when I go back to an old school game, like a Turbo game or a Nintendo game or Super Nintendo or whatever, it might not hit me the same way or I might not want to play it all over again because I had already done that. You know, I'd already yeah. been surprised yeah. by Earthbound. I love Earthbound, my favorite games ever. But I don't think I'll ever play it again. You know, it was of that moment. So I think that's what I started feeling. What you just articulated was what I was feeling because I didn't finish it, you know, the new version yet. And I'm like, do I need to? I mean, now I didn't finish and see all the stuff that you saw originally. So I think the answer is probably yes. But I think because I played so much of what he was doing again in Automata, right? Yeah. And I yeah. did the multiple endings. It's like, I get the bit. If this were a comedy sketch, I get the bit. Exactly. And yeah. it's just like retelling the bit a bunch of different ways. And so... I'm on the fence with it. Like I, I like a lot of the like a quality of life stuff that is in this one, and the graphics are really cool looking uh, and updated. But I think that's it. I think you kind of touched on it. I, I might have like been there, done that. You know? Yeah, it's 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 tough. And I know a lot of people are really really aggressively defensive of this. A lot of people love Automata. It's one of their favorite games of all time. I've seen some people say it was the best written game of all time. 
Uh, I'm not here to debate all that. If you love it, that's great. That's, you know, if have things you enjoy, that's wonderful. But for me, I think that near was probably just a moment in time. It was of its time. It was amazing at that time. But now that we're on the third iteration of some of those tricks, they just don't hit the same way. Yeah. And I just am not into it the same way. And I just, I don't know that I want to replay that because half, half the mind blowingness of that game was seeing what was coming next? There was no way you could predict what was going to come next. First, I'm in a Diablo level. Then I'm in a Zelda level. Then I'm in a Resident Evil level. Holy shit, what's going on? Oh my god, I kept... I, I, I did New Game Plus, and it was like a totally different thing, and I wasn't expecting this thing. Holy shit, this whole thing was different. Now that I know it's all coming, and now that he's already done it multiple times, yeah. I mean, it just it just doesn't land the same way. There's a, I'm on the fence with like finishing it because I did not see um, the ending endings of the original, though. You know, okay. yeah. and they did say with the replicant that they added one extra ending. So again, it's a long time to get there, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. And there's other games out, so I'll, I'll let you know on the show, or I'll let everybody know if I'm going to go back to it, and I might. But um, we'll talk about and the end of the, show. the That's kind of the thing, right? Is like wanting you to play through multiple times when I when you didn't know you had to do it. That was kind of an adventure. Yeah. When you are expecting to have to play through a game four or five times. It's kind of a drag, dude. Like I just, I just don't want to do it anymore. It's not the and journey. I, it's like I'm looking at the destination. Exactly. Like you know where it's want, where it's gonna go. Can we just get there, please? It wants like, me. It, it, yeah, it wants me to go like there three or four times before I yeah. even like get close to. By the way, uh, I do remember the fun. Um, I love this. And again, I wish more games would be self-referential. Um, uh, what's it called? Breathe Edge did do a lot of self-referential stuff. Um, is at some point you want to teleport in this game. You just want because you you're running everywhere. Yeah. A- and the book like brings it up. The book like talks. There's a talking book, and he's like, um, "Yeah, I don't think we can teleport because of like magic reasons or something." And the, and the, your main character is like, "That's a shit answer." <laughs> <laughs> and it, later on, you can do something that's like a teleport. But yeah, I thought it was fun that they like, yeah, they re- definitely point fun or poke fun at like the the genres but for me also i was just like really frustrated because like again i knew what they were doing or what he was doing but i just didn't want to do it so it's this whole thing is really weird to me because automata came out and i know that it was kind of building on the core that people loved about near but now that original near is kind of forgotten and so this new near is kind of building on the core that people love about automata and it's kind of this weird cycle for me and i just i don't know how i feel about this whole thing well, we're both very confused, but I did play it, and I did. I mean, I think I spent twenty hours. I really kind of just dug in, and I'm at a stopping point. We'll see what happens. But All right. at the, stay tuned to the very end of this episode. I'm going to talk about a spoiler about it. Okay, we will have a little spoiler section after the closing credits. Uh, one last game to talk about, and we have some Q and A. We're going to bounce just really quickly. Uh, I played El Hijo, E L H I J O, Spanish. Hijo. Hijo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. El Ijo, and it is a iso- I'm kind of freezing. I don't even know how to explain it. It is an isometric uh, stealth game where you play a little boy who is separated from his mother. It's in like, uh, I don't know, it looks like Mexico. Or oh, I almost Southwest. played this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, okay. a stealth game, cartoony stealth game. Yeah, the graphics are very cartoony. They're very appealing. That's kind of what got me interested in, in the first place. The, the visual style is very colorful, very bright, looks very like kid-friendly and and chill and i really enjoyed that look of it very much so um but yeah it is it is i guess i didn't realize what a hardcore stealth experience it was um so you start the game and you're inside a uh, monastery with some monks and like just immediately like you're just like sneaking everywhere hiding in the shadows crouching behind 
benches, uh, ducking behind curtains. Um, and it's just, it's just all stealth. I mean, you get some stuff to distract that are pretty typical for the, the genre. You get like a rock you can throw and when people hear the rock land, they turn that way. But like, it's just like stealth section after stealth section, after stealth section, after stealth section. It just got, it got really intense. Like it was very, like you had to be very focused, very easy to get caught or to get spied. And then you got to go back to the start. Thankfully the checkpoints are pretty close together. So it wasn't ever like a huge setback, but it was a lot of irritation because um, it just was just very, 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 very focused on stealth. And I guess I just was expecting it to be a little bit more happy-go-lucky, mm. uh, but it's not. Like, don't be fooled. Those graphics uh, may be colorful, but they want you to like really hardcore be sneaky. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of an issue was in stealth games, it's really important to know where enemies are looking. And there's usually vision cones. I mean, that's been a thing in the stealth genre forever where a little cone will appear on the ground and that kind of tells you where an enemy is looking. It kind of tells you how far they can see, if they're looking your direction. Really important to have those if you can be spotted at a distance, right? And one thing that I think is a problem that really probably would have helped me enjoy this game a little bit more was that the vision cones are not always there. You have to push a button. And when you push that button, you cannot move. And so you have to hold still, push the button, you see the vision cones of characters who are, they're still moving. And then you have to let go of the button to move. So you let go and then you can't see the vision cones again. Oh, that's annoying. And sometimes the window of safety is really thin and you just have to like really sneak in there. And there's many times when I'm like, why, why can I not see the vision cones? Like put me, put it on easy, give me an option. I mean, if there's an option, I couldn't find it because I really wanted those vision cones on. And I just kept having instances where I wasn't quite sure if they were seeing me or not. And I feel like that one thing would have made a big difference in my enjoyment. Um, without being able to see the vision cones constantly, I got caught a lot and I just started getting kind of frustrated where my progress was really, really slow. And I guess I just didn't want to play a game where all you're doing 24 seven is just stealth. That's basically what this is. Um, so if you want a really hardcore, dedicated, focused stealth experience, this is it. Uh, but if you want more variety or if you want kind of uh, something a little lighter or something easier to play, maybe check out something else. Um, I just I just was not expecting how intense this was. That's why I didn't download it. I actually saw it pop up at, you know, on Steam or one of the stores, and I liked the graphics too. And I was like, oh, that's really cool looking. And I thought it would be like a little – because it's so spaghetti western style. Yeah. And I yeah. thought you'd be like shooting and running and dodging and then also being stealth. But no, I, I, I looked uh, enough of the reviews and they were like, you're just like hiding the whole time. It seems like. Yeah, it's it's it gets to be a lot, right? Like you you think you're going to get some change up, but it's just like one room after another, sneaking, 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 which in general is fine. I mean, I'm OK with stealth, but like like a little bit of a change up or a little bit of lightening up would have been fine. It's, it's pretty hardcore stealth. So mm. uh, a little bit too hardcore for me. I played maybe like an hour, two hours, and I'm like, okay, I feel exhausted now, and I'm ready to do something where I'm not going to get set back to the last checkpoint every five seconds. Yeah. So that is El Iho, and that is available. I played it on Xbox. I believe it's on every system right now, I believe. Uh, and that is the end of our actual game section. Now, normally we would bounce right here, but we do have a couple of things to bring up that are Q&A related or just listener related. First off, I want to give a big shout out to Stormkiller72, also uh, Superfan Trashylvania. Both of these guys are people who like consistently retweet our show when I put it up on Twitter, and I super, super appreciate that. You know, we are always trying to build an audience. We're always trying to get more eyeballs and ears to listen to the show. So thank you both, Stormkiller72 and to Trashylvania, uh, because, you know, it only takes a minute to like RT something, but they did it, and they usually always do it, and I'm just really, really thankful that we have listeners 
who are happy to spread the word. So thank you both guys. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, after that, I want to give a special shout out to Adderblack39. He sent me a DM and it was a picture. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud so hard. My wife thought I was going insane. He sent me a picture of a lawnmower in the middle of a field and the field looked like the entire state of Nebraska. It was enormous. It was so, I could, you know, it was mown grass all the way to the horizon. And he's like, yeah, thanks to your podcast, that got me through me mowing this yard. And I'm like, yard, brother, that is like a state. You like, he mowed like the entire like West Coast there. It was huge. I can't even describe like how how enormous his yard was. And I, I, I sent him a DM back and I'm like, man, that is a that is a bananas yard. You got like livestock? You got cattle or some shit? And he's like, oh, yeah, I just got one animal that lives on this yard. And it was a picture of a teeny tiny little dog. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. You got hey, 72 acres, brother, and you got one dog. You got to eat some cows or something. Our long episodes are worth something then, right? You know, that's absolutely it. It got him through mowing that field. Oh, my God. I wish I could show all the listeners how that field looked right now. Anyway, Adderblack, thank you very much. That was a laugh I needed. And I'm very happy that Carlos and I can get you through your epic, epic lawn mowing. Um, we also have a comment from John Cheatham. He listens to the show all the time. Hello, John. He's also talking to me a lot about Monster Hunter Rise. We're Monster Hunter buddies. I'm going to read this out to you, Carlos, and then I will get your opinion. Ready? Okay. Yes, yes. John Cheatham says, Hi, Brad and Carlos. Really enjoyed your chat about Disco Elysium. I have also been playing the Final Cut version and really loving what I've gotten through so far. On the issue of whether it counts as an RPG, I ended up thinking about that as well after your debate, and I realized... I have never played a game where I have taken so long to carefully decide how to play the character. I've never been into D&D or other tabletop gaming, but I feel like this is the closest a gaming experience has come to asking me to really inhabit a fictional character and confront difficult questions, not about what I would do in a given situation, but what I think this character, as I have found them, would do and who they would be. It's so different to even my favorite RPGs. In something like Dragon's Dogma, one of my favorite all-timers, I can develop abilities and gear in endless permutations, but when I leave through the front gate of Casardis, I'm always going to kill the goblins on the path and then head to the encampment and report to Mercedes. It's the same thing every time. Within minutes of starting Disco, I was confronted with some pretty heavy quandaries about this disaster of a detective and how he was going to deal with the fact that he had no memory of his life or the world, or how he was going to react to those around him and how he was going to go about badly doing his job. It's a really personal thing, and I've missed a fair few of the character-driven CRPGs that are out there, but I just wanted to share this as a role-playing experience unlike any I've had before. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. I would say yes and to that in the fact that I'm still not sure and on the fence about you know what is an RPG at this point, <laughs> but um, to the point of games that I enjoy more, I guess, is why I took my stance in it on that episode, is like uh, Divinity Original Sin or Baldur's Gate. They also allow you to do the stuff that he just talked about, which is where you really feel agency over your decisions. And you really do feel like you can role play a character and you know it changes the world and you're not just going killing that same patch of goblins. Because if you like do something wrong or weird in Divinity, like it's gonna have a huge repercussions. So I, I like that. I just want to have more ability to do things quicker, and I feel like that that's why I was like frustrated with Disco is because yeah, it lets you inhabit this person which I like, but I just felt like limited it, when I when I when I wanted to feel more empowered. But to to his his point though, it definitely is that kind of game where it feels 
more of a playing this character or role playing this character because you do uh, feel so invested in all the decisions. So a yes, yes. And it. Yes. And yeah, thank you very much for writing in John. I definitely agree with you for me. This is kind of like, I mean, there's many different kinds of RPGs, um, but you know, when you really boil it down, RPG means role playing game. And for me, when I was playing Disco Elysium, I haven't come back to it in a while. I'm going to come back to it. I will for sure. I was absolutely playing a role. Like I definitely felt like the entire time I was playing a role. So in the, in the, the most simple streamlined, most boiled down sense, I do feel like it is very much an RPG, you know, maybe not like the other ones out there. And it's, you know, it's got its own foibles and its own different qualifications, different mechanics. But when you get down to it, it was for me, absolutely a very intense RPG. Um, so thank you very much, John. Appreciate the feedback. And that is all of the listener feedback we have. Thanks to everybody uh, out there. And if you want to send us a question, comment, anything like that, please hit us up. Um, that is it for the show right now. But again, uh, just a reminder, we're going to do a really, really quick spoiler, near spoiler after the closing credits here. Uh, but in the meantime, if you don't want to be spoiled on near, now is a good time to bounce. Uh, you can always uh, hit us up on email before you bounce. If you want to send us a comment, question, anything, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter if you want to reach out that way. It's a pretty good way to reach us at So Video Games. Uh, also, individually, Carlos, where can people find you this week? YouTube.com slash a lot of things. Excellent. And for me, it's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you are hitting me up on Instagram, please tell me who you are. Like, send me a little message because I get these little, like, rando so-and-so wants to follow you and they don't tell me who they are and I just, I don't recognize them. So I will um, ignore them. I'm pretty picky about who follows me on Instagram. Um, not so much on Twitter. But if you do want to follow me on Instagram, uh, please like mention who you are or like, you know, I'm a listener of the show or it's me. Tell me who you are in case your Instagram handle is not who you really are. So, okay, cool. I'll, I'll make uh, sure I'll make sure to do that. I, I keep sending you random messages. And are you the fucker that keeps I, sending I me that weird? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay, damn it. Anyway, on Instagram or Twitter, it's my name. B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 230. Thank you again for joining us here on the Soviet Games podcast. We'll see you next Friday. Uh, spoiler cast on near micro spoiler cast coming up in a second. But for now, this is bye from Brad and bye from Carlos. I didn't even do anything fancy. Uh, okay. So real quick. Um, so, in, so this is the spoiler here. Spoiler warning. Spoiler mini warning spoiler. It's like going to take two seconds. Are we going to cover near or near automata or all of it or either Just one? Just near replicant. I have one question about it. So in near original, at some point it jumps forward in time. Yes, it does. And it's like five years in, in advance. Yep, totally does. Okay, uh-huh. but is is he just older then? Like I mean, obviously he has to be. But it, does it? He look like? Does he look like an older guy or something? I mean, you know, he hasn't like aged a million years, but I mean, it's it's basically just like you know, some time has passed, some things are different in the town. Um, they kind of do some shortcuts on some of the storytelling stuff, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't like, he doesn't look like, oh my god, he looks so much older. He just, you know, whatever. I mean, it's been a while since I played it, but I don't remember it being a huge factor now. Okay, well, that's what's cool about this one because the, the the original character is the brother in the beginning, and he looks like I don't like how he looks. <laughs> like I just don't like the character style. And he looks, you know, this little innocent kid, essentially. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then when you jump five years in advance, he looks fucking awesome. So yeah, it's really? like, yeah, he looks like cool as shit. And he's got like, I don't know if in the original you like all of a sudden had access to all the new weapons after five years. 
But that, mm, I don't know. That's what happens in this one. So, like in the beginning, I've had like this little weapon I've been trying to upgrade this whole time, and it's not bad. But all of a sudden, five years goes by. He looks fucking badass, amazing armor, like the coolest art style of a character ever. And he automatically just has like four new swords and all these like cool abilities, like double jump and fucking just he just he's all of a sudden a badass. Yeah, I remember something similar to that happening. Um, I don't remember the specifics because it was like, you know, I don't even know how many, like 15 years ago or whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, I do remember that time jump and then things were different and they kind of use that as a shortcut to kind of move you forward in terms of certain things. So it sounds like, yeah, pretty much. Okay. I just bring it up because happens. you said you didn't like the guy, the, like the character design of that little younger guy. And I didn't either, but after you get through like, I don't know, 10, 12 hours or whatever it is, then it mm. switches to this much cooler character. Um, and again, that's that thing where it's like. Your expectation is that you're going to play as this one guy and like you know upgrade his gear or something, but no, you're not. It's just going to go five years in advance, and all of a sudden your character is going to be cool again, you know, like uh, or cooler essentially. Right, right, right. Uh, and then also there was like a boss in one of the levels where um, I just kept like dying from the boss, and it just felt cheap, and mm -hmm. it, and I didn't know if it, again it was one of those self-referential things, but like um, I like just ran away from the boss, and then I didn't have to fight him. Oh, really? Where was this? Like out in the overworld? In the Metal Gear Solid type level where you're like really far away. It looks like top down. And there's like this Metal Gear Solid like environment, like a basement. Um, and there's all these monsters around. And like this boss just kept killing me. And I was like, fuck, I can't do this. And then I just ran away from him. And I didn't have to fight him. I mean, that is definitely something that Nier would do. I don't remember that if that was in the original game. Maybe it's a new thing. Who knows? But that, that is a very Nier sort of an act move to pull so it wouldn't surprise me at all if you're not meant to fight him yeah anyways i i, I that's that's all i was saying is i just like the how the character changed it, it made it like much more appealing and i just it'd been cool if it like would have started with that version of him but oh well well let me know how you, you feel like you're gonna finish it you think or how you feeling i don't know i'm on the fence like i said on the podcast i don't know yeah so we'll see all right all right, all right man all right thanks everybody for listening hope it wasn't too much of a spoiler in case you accidentally somehow listen to this whole section i don't think it's not, it's not much <laughs> if anything it just makes you want to play it because the character gets cool as shit later probably so so all right we'll see you next friday thanks okay bye 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 bye, bye, bye.